welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find... Links to, well, pretty much everything. Uh, the audio-only live stream, the simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and, of course, to the podcast, which is available wherever you find good podcasts, including my favorite spot, Spotify. So go over there and check it out and uh, see us there. And, of course, we're also broadcasting live uh, on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. Tuesday edition of the big radio show. And we are, oh, we're, 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 <clears throat> we're fists up. We're ready. We're ready for it. We're ready to duke it out. <laughs> Get it to put up your dukes. Uh, anyway, it's uh, going to be a good one. Tuesdays means, of course, uh, the weekly top three from ba- uh, from Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He will be joining us this morning to uh, talk about a variety of issues, including, uh, including but not limited to, how the ADN is trying to lay traps for people uh, in the op-eds as far as solutions for the state and how in other stories they're only giving you half the facts. And then we're going to focus a little bit on a dispute over facilities up on the slope and uh, and more. Uh, that should be a fun discussion with Brad Keithley this morning uh, to uh, to talk about that. Then uh, in hour two, we'll recap some of those topics, maybe get some of your thoughts on it as well with a phone call or two, and then we will dive into it with uh, our guru from Homer, uh, Chris Story, who's going to give us our uplift and our weekly life coaching lesson and uh, uh, everything else. It's it's the only way we make it through Tuesday. You know, we get the big beating from uh, we get the big beating from Brad, and then Chris comes on board and uh, and and soothes our gives us a little bit of balm to our soul. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be fun stuff this morning, and we appreciate you guys coming on board and joining us and being part of the uh, being part of the broadcast. So see how see how it works. It's all it's all good stuff. Thank you so much for coming on board and joining us here this morning. Uh, some headlines. Uh, yep, some headlines from around the state. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, including some of the pre-filed bills that are have now been uh, put forward and are in the public eye for the upcoming session. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting and interesting to look at. And the fact 
that a judge has now finally ruled on the case with Jenny Armstrong, uh, who, of course, uh, won that state house race in Anchorage against Liz Vasquez. And uh, let's uh, I guess we'll we'll start off. uh, We'll start off there. The uh, judge in the case, Superior Court Judge Herman Walker Jr., according to the ADN, issued the ruling more than two weeks after hearing the case, challenging Armstrong's eligibility to serve in the legislature. Uh, This, of course, was a challenge that was brought forward by her opponent, Liz Vasquez. Uh, She was joined by four others who had filed a prior challenge to Armstrong's eligibility, but that that case was dismissed back in November by Judge Walker on procedural grounds. Um, The lawsuit asked Walker to declare Vasquez the winner. Um, The lawsuit pointed to social media posts. It was said that it was made by Armstrong and fishing license applications that were non-registered or uh, non-resident fishing license applications. And when Armstrong registered to vote and alleged that Armstrong had not been a resident of Alaska for at least three years immediately before filing for office under the Constitution to serve in the legislature, you have to be a qualified voter who's been a resident for at least three years. And you had to have lived in the district you're running for for at least one year. Um, Armstrong had gone on to say uh, in this court case that she moved to Alaska on May 20th, 2019. She said that that is the date she and her now husband discussed and decided she would move in with him in Anchorage. She testified that her social media posts, which gave a different story, weren't always uh, contemporaneous and that a 2022 fishing license application traced her residency to May of 2019 and that that was more precise than prior applications. And that she had not considered running for office until May of 2022. And that was the first time that she had actually determined the exact day that she had moved to Alaska. Now, I will I will say this. Um, If (laughs) I remember the exact day that uh, I met my wife. I remember the exact day that uh, I proposed to my wife. I remember the exact day down to the date. Uh, this is 30 years ago, by the way, that I can, uh, that I invited, you know, that we, we get engaged, we moved in together, we move. I mean, I remember all that stuff, right? And if you're moving from someplace else to Alaska, you think you would remember a little bit better, you know, I don't know, this whole thing. It's so sticky. And what really gets me is down near the end of the article, <clears throat> Scott Walker is uh, uh, is uh, is quoted uh, basically as, uh, you know, just is a little snotty. He's a little snotty. Where did the, the quote go? Where am I? Which story am I in? Um, oh, it must have been the. Uh, it must have been the other AP story. Hold on. Uh, because I was reading this and I was like, wow, that Scott Walker, he reminds me of uh, uh, Scott Kendall, not Scott Walker. Scott Kendall, who was a Walker appointee, I guess was what I meant to uh, say. Um, but I guess the ADN is not quoting that story. Uh, let me go over to the AP where I originally saw the story this morning. 
and see if uh, there you go. Yeah, it, that's interesting. Interesting that the AP that might be a point in the uh, that might be a point in the uh, ADN's favor uh, in in that regard. Um, the story in the ADN quotes the AP story almost verbatim, except for it omits. Um, oh, it's exactly the same story, exactly the same author. Interesting. It omits the last two uh, paragraphs from the AP story. That is interesting. Um, I guess good for you, ADN. Uh, the AP story finishes with the case, quote, wasn't even a close call, said Scott Kendall, an attorney for Armstrong in a statement. The evidence supporting Miss Armstrong's residency was so strong <clears throat> That it's frankly offensive she even had to go to trial. From the very start of this case, it was nothing more than a half-baked political stunt, and any appeal of Judge Walker's decision would be no better, said Kendall. Now, I think it's ironic that Kendall, of all people, is talking about half-baked political stunts after what happened to David Eastman, uh, but neither the AP stories in the ADN or on the AP mention the fact uh, mention anything about an appeal other than Kendall saying, oh, this is this is going to be, you know, it'll be ludicrous to appeal this, essentially. Uh, but Suzanne Downing over at Must Read Alaska and her reporting on this story says that an appeal is likely. So, again, I haven't been following this case. It's been kind of quiet. This is the first mention of the case since December the 22nd. That was the last time this case was mentioned in any of the mainstream news media outlet uh, artic articles. And so I haven't seen any of the details or anything else, but um, it's interesting. Interesting that the ADN dropped off uh, Kendall's comments off the end of the AP story. That's, uh, that's interesting. Interesting to say the least. But as of right now... It has been deemed that she is eligible for office, so I'm assuming that the organization of the House is going to continue, and they're going to be talking about that as well. Uh, there's also a whole spate of pre-filed bills that were released, and there are some big ones. Suzanne Downing over at Must Read has got the list up there. Um, there is a uh, there is a uh, a bill that's been filed to repeal. Uh, uh, parts of ballot measure number two, all or some of ballot measure number two, representatives George Rauscher of Sutton and Sarah Vance of Homer from the House have both offered bills that are very similar. And our own friend, State Senator Mike Schauer, has introduced a similar bill in the Senate. There are bills uh, for making gold and silver coins accept acceptable as legal tender in Alaska prohibiting dis uh, discrimination against Israel in state contracts, and to make gay marriage legally recognized through a constitutional amendment. Oh, and moving the legislative session onto the road system. Hey, baby, somebody's been listening to the show. Oh, yes. That would be, um, now, not that it's, I mean, uh, I would love to see it. That's Representative Rauscher, by the way, has... Uh, uh, holding the uh, holding the legislative sessions in Anchorage. Uh, Annie Josephson has a joint resolution, HJR 1, which would give voters the chance to appeal Article 1, Section 25 of the Constitution, which says that same-sex marriages will not be recognized by the state. 
David Wilson, who, I mean, as much as I dislike what he's done and what he's been doing to a lot of the uh, a lot of the more conservative aspects of the uh, legislature, he has filed a bill to remove the certificate of need clause from law. And that's something that I've been fighting for for almost 20 years. Uh, not recently, but we were in the center of this fight when I was up in Fairbanks. I was uh, leading the charge so much so that uh, I got a call from the head of uh, the hospital association um, basically telling me what a dirty so-and-so I was for even bringing it up. Uh, I remember that day well. That felt that felt pretty good, actually. Uh, Senator Kawasaki has got a bill that would move Alaska to a mail-in election system. Senator Bill Wilikowski with SJR1 is asking voters if they want to put the permanent fund dividend in the Constitution. Uh, Senator Shelley Hughes has a Senate uh, uh, joint resolution, too, that would ask voters to make it clear that they don't want the state to pay for abortions. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of different laws uh, and oh, and uh, Senator uh, Myers has got a constitutional amendment for an appropriations limit, a spending cap. So there's there's some interesting stuff that's uh, coming in through here. And we might just use this as a hit list to start talking to some of these people. Representative McKay, Representative McCabe, uh, Dan Ortiz, Representative Johnson, uh, Vance, Rauscher, Hannon. There's some interesting uh, there's some interesting additions in here. Uh, I had to laugh. Representative Carrick, one of the new representatives, they've got a bill that is about electric-assisted bicycles and adding faculty members to the University Board of Regents and the university textbooks and material costs. These are the titles of the bills. So, I mean, you could just see where some of these folks are uh, based on based on some of the titles of some of these bills. I'll, okay. All right, we're going to go. We're going to come back in just a moment. Um, Oh, i got to invite Brad. I forgot. We're going to continue here, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure you come check us out on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or, you know, wherever you want to find us out here. We're all simulcasting or just listen on the radio. I mean, that's easy and affordable and you know, all that. So go check it out. We'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Is today a radio birthday or something? I don't know why. Somebody, I, I got to scroll backwards now, see what's going on. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, and good morning. A lot of you are just like, good morning. Um... Watched Politidic from School of Government last night. Our lawless Supreme Court is out of control. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, it's it's nice and warm out. I mean, I don't know what happened. It was like 14 below this weekend on Sunday or Saturday night or whatever. Um, and uh, then, uh, you know, and then it warmed up. And this morning it's 20 degrees. 
That was crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, April 20th, 1969, says Dave Tallarico. I was 13. I remember very well the day I moved to Alaska. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just like, oh, this is the first time that I ever thought of I would, uh, you know, I would. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, big eye roll on those last bills. Yep. It uh, was definitely, definitely uh, some interesting, uh, interesting times. All right. Uh, let's see. Brad was quick. He was Johnny on the spot. I uh, dropped him a link and uh, immediately he doth appear. Uh, he he just immediately popped right up into the thing. All right. So I guess we'll just head right on over, shall we? And see what's going on here and get things ready to roll this morning on the big radio broadcast. Uh, good morning, Miss. They call him Mr. Keith Lee. What's happening, my friend? What's going on? Good morning, Michael. How are you doing today? You know, it's just another beautiful day in paradise, man. 20 above. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it versus the 14 below that it was this weekend. Uh, I'm I'm happy to do it. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah. You, uh, you all ready? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, uh, I, I was Johnny on the spot because I thought maybe I'd missed the link. So I was scrambling no, through there to see you. That was definitely not you, my friend. I apologize. I got way late on it. I was reading some stories this morning uh, and I forgot to do the one thing, the one thing, which was to <laughs> click through and send you the link to the uh, to the broadcast this morning. So we're ready to uh, we're ready to die. I mean, what do you what do you make of that? It was interesting because. You know, sometimes I read the same story from three or four different outlets just to kind of get a different feel from it from different angles. Because sometimes one story will have something that the other one doesn't. But interestingly, that the AP story from Becky Boer over at the AP, it's interesting that the ADN cut off that whole comment at the end from Scott Kendall. I don't know if that's, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I should give him kudos for that or not. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I was a little confused by it. Yeah, you wonder if that's all the news that that's fit to print, uh, or that fits. Uh, if they were trying to fit a story into some block on the on the hard copy edition, or uh, if that's an editorial comment from uh, from whoever was doing the the editorial on uh, or whoever right. was. Well, it's uh, funny because it was just such a snarky kind of comment on the end of it, Scott Kendall. Uh, the case, quote, wasn't even close. The evidence supporting Ms. Armstrong's residency was so strong that it's frankly offensive she even had to go through a trial. Uh, from the very start, this case was nothing more than a half-baked political stunt, and any appeal of Judge Walker's decision would be no better. And all I could think of was, man, I just watched the Eastman trial for days, and it was nothing more than a political stunt. But, you know, it... it Anyway, it's interesting. It's interesting to see people bang their bang their spears on their shields and make a bunch of hula noise over stuff like that. Um, when it's all said and done, and and Scott's Scott's one to do that. I mean, he's oh yeah, jump, oh. On, jump on an opportunity to oh yeah, bang he, his shield. He never saw he never saw a, a a megaphone or a bullhorn that he didn't want to shout into with his ideas for sure. Um, all right, Brad, we're coming up into it here. We're about uh, 30, 25, 30 seconds out. We'll uh, continue with you here in just a second. Don't go anywhere. Folks, please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Do all the YouTube-y things. Let's, um, 
Let's get it going on, shall we? The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley, our guest right now. All right, welcome back to the program. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, an organization dedicated to, well, helping show the way towards sustainability in state budgets in the state of Alaska. Brad and I have been doing this for eight years. <laughs> My God. Eight you're you're going you're gonna to age us here. I was eight years, Brad. How does the time go? I used to have brown. I mean, my my beard used to be brown. I mean, when we got started on this thing, I don't know what happened. Um, but, uh, it's been a, it's been a hot minute and, uh, I just, I just don't know what to say about this other than, you know, we keep beating the drum and they keep basically ignoring us, but, uh, it doesn't stop it. It doesn't stop it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to jump into it here. Um, Brad comes in every week with what he considers to be probably the top three stories of the week or things that we should focus on as we look at this. Uh, we were just talking about the ADN and, some of the uh, the some of the editorial uh, 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 I guess choices that they've made in this story about the Jennifer Armstrong case. Well, Brad's uh, top three this morning is chock full of editorial choices. I guess we should say. So, Brad, first and foremost, uh, somebody's trying to sell us a bill of goods over there. Uh, what uh, what say you? Where do we start? Well, the ADN had an op-ed uh, this this weekend. They've 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 fallen into this uh, pattern of publishing uh, their major editorials on the weekend, and they and their editorial this weekend uh, was on a, uh, a spending cap, and and for the first time that I've recall seeing them do it, they endorsed a spending cap, and you know you you sit there for just the first second, and you think, oh my gosh, are they becoming, you know, fiscally conservative? Are they becoming fiscally responsible? And then you, and then you, you know, think about it a little bit, read the editorial, and you sort of suddenly realize, or at least I sort of suddenly realized, uh, what was going on. It, it's a, it's a regurgitation or, or a, a replay of an old proposal by Senator von Imhoff. Um, and at any time you're replaying an old von Imhoff uh, proposal, you, you come immediately, or I at least become immediately suspect. Um, what they propose to do is a spending cap that would include a P include the PFD. So they would set the spending cap in a way that included all unrestricted general fund spending plus whatever is paid for the PFD. And what that does, what, when Senator Von Himoff uh, proposed it, what she, what she intended to do was set off a battle between those pushing various levels of, or their various types of government spending, capital spending, operating budget spending, statewide spending, and the PFD. It would all, it would, you know, visualize this as an, as a martial arts cage match um, uh, with, uh, with, with various components inside, uh, which would include um, UGF spending on operating and on capital, as well as the PFD. And so you're, and so all of the, all of the participants inside 
would be battling for their share of 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 the of the revenue that's uh, inside uh, inside of the spending that's inside the uh, inside the cage. One interesting component of that, or uh, the most important component of that, is is who would be on the outside, the top twenty percent, because you wouldn't have additional revenues as an option. It'd be a, it'd be a distant option, but you wouldn't have additional revenues necessarily inside that cage. You would have the the UGF spending on operating and on capital and on the PF uh, and PFD inside the cage, and then you would have any additional revenues would be, be outside the cage. So the top twenty percent, who are the ones who would who would be impacted by coming with new revenues or additional revenues or substitute revenues, would be sitting outside watching this cage match uh, and wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have any uh, any any dog in the in the in the fight. They they would they could support additional spending for things like K through 12 or additional capital budgets as Senator Myers talked yesterday you know some of the some of the people in the construction industry support additional capital budgets not because it's good for Alaska but because it's good for them right uh, and they could sit outside the cage and and support uh, uh, additional capital spending or additional UGF spending without any risk to themselves. That they would have to pay for it because it would be it would be it would be taken out of uh, the PFD. So it looks like um, it looks like the the, the ADN suddenly becomes fiscally conservative and with headlines that say maybe you know maybe a uh, a spending cap is the way to go. Maybe that's a way to start down this road. And in fact, the ADN says it, it or the editorial says at one point uh, you don't need to do anything else. Let's just start with a spending cap uh, and uh, and see how that works and then we'll worry about some other then we'll worry about layering on layering on other stuff well you never get to the other stuff once you succeeded in setting up a spending cap that has the PFD inside the inside the inside the cap you never never the the top 20 percent never has to worry about going to anything else or legislature never worries about going to anything else because they'll just keep eating away the PFD using the PFD as the as the revenue to support spending um, um, until, if ever, uh, they use uh, they use the PFD up. So, it's a it's it's a slick uh, uh, <laughs> use of of something that's current. I mean, you had candidates out there like Will Steph and 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 Justin Ruffridge who who ran on spending caps, right? That's the way to, in in their view and their argument, that's the way to uh, that's the way to resolve Alaska's fiscal situation. And you sort of have the ADN leveraging up on that and saying, "Well, yeah, you're right, guys. Um, great, great solution to the fiscal to the fiscal solution. Let's set it up. Let's let's set up a, a cage, uh, and uh, and you know, and constrain spending. But let's include the PFD in there uh, to make sure that uh, that uh, uh, we've got a revenue source to to accommodate expanded spending, right? Uh, and let the top percent continue to sit on the outside. So it, it's a it." As I read it, I had uh, I had visions of the old Star Wars episode um, uh, where Admiral Akbar says it's a trap. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a trap. Right. I mean, no, that's exactly it. And this plays right into the hands of uh, we saw the commentary that was reported in the ADN and in the podcast. Kathy Geisel talking about how they needed to get the PFD issue under control. And this is it. If they if they place this inside of a spending cap. 
that PFD issue would be under control forever because it, uh, as you said, it would become the major source of funding instead of, as Lyman Hoffman and others have pointed out, being the first call. Uh, as it's supposed to be, and an even split between the people and the government, it would instead become the piggy bank. It would become the major funding source for all these pet projects. I mean, they they're looking to they're looking to expand. You know, read any interview with any of the leadership in the Senate now, and you could tell they're looking to expand how much government spends. There's no discussion on anything else. It's all about how much government spends right now. Right, and it's and it's K through twelve. I mean, the K K through twelve is sort of the is sort of the lead, the mechanism uh, that, that you know that they're using to say we need to we need to have more spending. And then, as we've talked before on the program, and as I'll talk about in the next segment, you sort of start lumping additional things in behind K through twelve. Once you get that K through twelve bulwark or 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 that that beachhead uh, out there for spending, then you're just going to start you know piling stuff in behind it and saying, oh, this all relates to K through twelve. It's all all important to K through 12. And, and if you do this inside the, you know, again, visualize the MMA cage match. If you do this inside the, inside the cage and you put the PFD in there, they'll just keep, you know, well, we got to spend on this. We got to spend on that. And, and the way we've set up the spending cap, it's all got to come out of the PFD now. So you'll, you can just see how they visualize eating away um, at the, at the, at the PFD by, by doing that. I, you know, I, we need to point out <laughs> this trap because otherwise we're going to have people who are, who get on board and say, oh yeah, spending cap. Well, you know, we need to do more than the spending cap, but let's go ahead and start with the spending cap um, uh, and, and get that going because there seems to be support for it. Now the ADN supports it. Let's start with the spending cap and then we'll pick up these other things uh, as we go. Well, we'll never pick up those other things. I mean, no, we, that's, we, 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 <laughs> That's well, always the, well, hey, look at this hand. No, no, look at this hand. Oh, look at this hand. It's always, we'll do the one thing and we'll get to that other stuff later. And it never happens. That's why the fiscal policy working group said you have to take a holistic approach to everything at once. Oil taxes, sales taxes, revenue changes, cuts, and the PFD and expansion, everything. You have to look at it in total. You can't just say one thing in isolation because it never moves beyond that. Historical. I mean, this is not, we're not pontificating here. That's historical fact. Yeah, that was, that, that was, the, that was the issue that everybody, that, that others had with a PFD constitutional or, or have with a PFD constitutional amendment. Once you fix that, then, then you know, other things uh, uh, fall out of that. So it's it, the 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 working group had it right. Governor Dunleavy's FY twenty one ten year plan had it right. You got to do all this stuff together uh, in order for 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 you know something not to get exposed as a, as the thing that takes a, that that takes the burden. And 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 this is a great example of that. You know, doing a doing a spending cap. Period. Nothing else. And including the PFD inside the spending cap, which is the, which is the critical component that Senator von Imhoff pushed and that the ADN editorial is pushing. Uh, that's, I mean, that that's a recipe for disaster. It, it, to the extent you value middle and lower income Alaska families, to the extent you value the role that the PFD plays in Alaska, in the Alaska economy, uh, that's a, just a recipe for disaster. So yeah, this is a ADN trying to set a, ADN trying to set a trap. Uh, uh, people need to be aware of it. Uh, and, uh, and, and we don't need to, 
we don't need others out there saying, oh, well, the ADN's endorsed it, so let's go down that road. Well, right. This is Aurora 2.0, right? That was the name of her plan uh, uh, back in the day of Von Imhoff's plan was Aurora 2.0. We'll take care of it all. It'll be a spending cap. Don't worry. Trust me. We know what to do with this better than you do, right? That's kind of the whole plan here. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly well, right. Well, that leads us into number two. Give us a tease. We'll we'll take a break here a minute earlier or so, but give us a tease for number two, which also includes the ADN. So the ADN has this long story, lead story on uh, on K through twelve and the importance of K through twelve, um, and it's thirty three paragraphs long, which is a long story. Uh, has a lot of quotes in it. Uh, talks to a lot of uh, legislators. Uh, uh, does a, a lot of analysis, but it, in in the in the in this entire thirty three paragraphs, they leave out one thing. One thing, and that one thing is the entire other half of the story, and that is who pays for all this additional spending that uh, that all these legislators are uh, are talking about. Who who writes the checks? Who who takes the hit uh, for the additional spending? Entirely left out of the story. So we'll talk about what that means and, 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 and why that's an important half uh, that should be included in any story on K-12 spending. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to continue with Brad here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. Uh, this hour of the program, you can find them at SatelliteWest.com. When it comes to staying in touch no matter where you are, Cal tagged Kaktovic, cake to, I don't know, Minto. We'll, we'll, pick, a, we'll pick, pick a spot. Wherever you are, they can get you connected via telephone, text message, internet, emails, whatever it is. Go over there and check them out, SatelliteWest.com. The Michael Luke Show continues with Brad Keithley right after this. light our guide and our trusted friend in the break uh with brad uh here as we continue on brad the powers that be um they just they keep coming back to the the the, the keep coming back to the well uh i mean Right. It's the same thing over and over again. We, I mean, literally, I, I mentioned the eight year mark here earlier because I was thinking about it last night and I was thinking, you know, we've been saying similar things for so long. We've modified the argument a little bit. I mean, in the beginning, there was really almost no discussion between Brad and I on the preferred method of taxation. I mean, there was no discussion really of the flat tax and other things early on because what we were trying to do is we were trying to get legislators to commit to holding the budget down to that $4 billion mark, 3.94, dollars $4.1 billion mark, because that was the level at which, uh, you know, ICER and ITEP and everybody else had said, this is the sustainable level that if you hold it here, you won't have these ungodly problems down the road. And it slowly changed. I mean, our arguments have basically always been pretty much the same, and yet we've continued to see... I mean, exactly what we predicted coming on over and over and over again, Brad. I mean, it, 
sometimes I get a little tired, you know, of, of, of making these arguments and watching all this stuff and being kind of right about everything that's happening. Yeah, the original, Michael, uh, was uh, 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 Scott Goldsmith's uh, sustainable budget model. Uh, and, and he calculated using the PFD, using the, the other half, Hammond's other half, and, and projecting out oil revenues and projecting out a number of things, projected what the, the sustainable level of spending could be uh, over time. It's a calculation you had to do every year, uh, and, and it shifted between years. But, but you could calculate out, you know, you could look over a 10-year horizon or a 15-year horizon or a 20-year horizon. Uh, and and calculate what the sustainable level of spending would be. And Scott said as early as 2009, he said, if we don't get spending down in a study that they were doing for something else, he said, if we don't get spending down by the early 2020s, what Alaska is going to be facing is taxation uh, because we're going to have outspent our means. We're going to have outspent the revenues that we have uh, from traditional sources. So that's what, that's what you and I talked about from, you know, well, what I talked about from 2011, 2012 uh, uh, on and what you and I talked about when we started doing uh, started doing the show together, it shifted in 2016. The, the, the big shift was 2016 when Walker uh, uh, vetoed or 27. Well, I get confused between fiscal years and calendar years. But whenever Walker vetoed, uh, I guess it was 2016, vetoed. Uh, the PFD and and diverted a portion of the PFD to revenue, diverted a portion of it to support right. spending. That that was the big shift. And what what the discussion has been since, or what my discussion has been since. Okay, if we're going to do that, if we're going to divert revenue, uh, then we need to evaluate what's the best revenue source to do that. Uh, you shouldn't just say, okay, well, we ran out, we ran out of savings. Too bad. Now we got to use. Uh, the PFD is the next as the next crutch to continue to support spending. No, at that point, we need to evaluate what the best revenue source is. If we're going to continue spending like this. We need to evaluate what the best revenue source is. I mean, we, we could have, and, and to some degree we did, dig in our heels and say nothing beyond the sustainable spending level, period. End of, end of discussion. But, you know, as, as Dunleavy found in 2019 when he tried that approach, uh, with the legislature, he just got run over and he hasn't tried it again since. And no one's really um, uh, tried it again since. So you can take that position. You can dig in your heels and say no more, but that's not that's not the reality of the situation we're in. It's not the reality of the, of the environment we're in. We're in an environment where they're either going to use the PFD or they're going to use a portion of the PFD, divert a portion of the PFD, tax a portion of the PFD, uh, to revenue, they're either going to do that or they're going to do something else. And and what we've talked about from 2017 on, I can still remember the article I wrote that started this, um, uh, from 2017 on is if you're going to do this, if you're going to have additional revenue to support this spending, if you're not going to get spending under control. If you're going to tax Alaskans, if you're going to tax right, Alaskans, yeah. essentially. Right then here's the type of revenue you ought to do. So yeah, we started out, we started out with, with Scott Goldsmith's sustainable budget model. And, and we talked about that for years and years and years and years and, and, and said, you know, look, Scott's told us this is where it's going. It's going to go to, it's going to go to additional revenues. We need to dig in our heels. We need to get spending under control. Walker blew that out in 2016 said, hey, we're not going to get spending under control. We're going to use revenue. We're going to create additional revenues. 
And, um, and that's where we've been since. We've been in, in an additional revenue environment. And the question is, what's the best, if you're going to have additional revenues, what's the best additional revenue source for Alaska? And we've known since 2016, we actually knew before then, but it was at least captured in, in two reports in 2016 and 2017. We've known since that time that, that PFD cuts have the worst Right. Adverse impact. Have that the largest was a, adverse impact. That was a big part of the ICER report talking about of all the levers you could pull, this is the worst one. And uh, and we focused yep. on that as well. Brad Keithley, our guest, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. We're continuing now. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, our guest. We're on the weekly top three. We're moving on to number two, which is editorials and stories from the ADN where we only get, well, half the story, maybe. Uh, Brad uh, continues with us now. Brad, uh, the story uh, Alaska lawmakers say increasing education funding is the top priority. That's the headline of the story. And it just gives you a roadmap for where this session is going. Well, yeah, and it's it's a as I say, it's a long story. It's a feature story, and it quotes several legislators to say that uh, increase in K through twelve spending is inevitable. Uh, it's just a question of how much. And it quotes both Democrat law- lawmakers and Republican lawmakers, Justin Ruffridge, from uh, the new newly elected representative from uh, from the Kenai. Uh, is quoted in there as saying essentially that it's just it's inevitable that we're going to have increased K through 12 spending. Uh, it's just a question of how much, and the how and and so can I you know, can really I, builds the can I interrupt for just a second because we had Justin on the program uh, on uh, on uh, last last week, and I specifically asked him about the education funding, and he said, well, he said it might be a possibility but the problem is and he admitted that the system is fundamentally broken and flawed and we need to address that as well it's interesting and i don't know if he's just saying one thing to my audience and something else to the adn's audience or if they took just one sentence of his answer out of context or something uh, we're going to have to watch that because he admitted that the system is fundamentally broken and that more money just raw more money is not going to fix the problem but when I saw that quote from him, I was interested because he had just been on the program talking about how we can't just throw more money at the problem and expect different results. Yeah, well, people will rationalize that that you know we're going to spend more money and we'll and we'll have to make some additional additions uh, to the system. But if we make those additional additions to the system, they're willing to spend more money on it. I, I, the gist of the, the gist of the article is is we're going to have additional K through 12 spending, um, and you hear that you hear that not only out of the House, you hear that out of the Senate, uh, the new the new Senate uh, majority uh, that's going to be additional K through 12 spending. The, the real question is how much. I mean, you can have an increase in the BSA, uh, uh, and that's and that's one thing. But then when you read the article, you you see the additional pieces coming in. You see the additional pieces about teacher retention. Uh, and about the need for defined benefits to apply to teachers, uh, and about uh, uh, you know additional support for 
capital budgets for schools. So you, so you, you, maybe maybe a good analogy is a boat leaving a wake, right? The the head of the boat is the the beginning of the wake is we need additional we need an addition of the BSA to account for inflation uh, over the past few years. That seems to be the beginning point of this argument. And then, and then, as the boat passes and the wake gets bigger and bigger, you see more things being piled in, uh, like uh, the defined benefit program and like the capital budget. And, and and once we go down the defined benefit program, once we start down that, and you include K through twelve in the defined benefit program, then you're going to see other state employees say, "Oh well, we need to be part of that as well because we have, you know, look at what's going on with the with the Medicaid division and look at what's going on with with other divisions. We need additional employees as well. We need additional retention." Uh, we need to define benefit for those as well. So it's, it's just, I mean, the, the article leaves you with the impression that it's just a question of how big the wake's going to be. We're going to have some additional spending in this area. Uh, the question is going to be how how big the wake's, uh, wake's going to be. But here's the thing. In the entire 33 paragraphs of the article, there's not one mention of, of how they're going to, how they pay for this additional spending or who uh, bears the burden uh, of the additional spending. It's, it's either you, you're you're left with the impression it's either just assumed that it's going to come from the PFD, or or nobody's just really thought of that issue yet. We're just going to set all this spending out there, uh, and then we'll worry about how we're going to pay for it. To how we're going to pay for it later on, and that to me, that who pays, where the money's going to come from, and who's going to pay that money, is as big a question as anything else. Because it, as 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 whether you spend it in the first place, because who pays the revenue source has a huge impact on on both Alaska families and on the Alaska economy. You take it out of the PFD and you're taking it directly out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. The top 20 percent are going to are going to dodge. They're just going to go. They're going to be on the outside of the cage match uh, that uh, that we were talking about in the first segment. Um, you take it, you take it though, you, you use a broad-based tax and everybody's going to contribute to it. Everybody's going to feel the pain. Everybody's going to have the incentive to push back into, and to limit the spending to, to reasonable levels. You take it out of the PFD, only out of middle and lower income Alaska families and the top 20% have a, have a free shot. They can say, oh no, we need to spend more. We need to have these defined benefit programs. We need to include other state employees. Uh, in the defined benefit programs and push for a bigger and bigger and bigger program, a bigger and bigger, bigger wake um, in the sense that I was talking about it uh, before. And they don't have to pay. It's a free shot for them. So right. it, it the, 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 the source of the funds is as important from the standpoint of, of the impact on Alaskans, Alaska families and the Alaska economy and Alaskans overall the source of the funds is as important as where you're going to spend the funds. And I just, it, 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 one thing you tell, you tell journalism students is don't report half a story, report the whole story, get quotes from both sides, present the arguments of both sides, um, uh, you know, sort educate the, educate the, the, the reader. And here they've just left out a half, an entire half, of the story about where uh, where that uh, where those funds are going to come from and what the impact of those those funds are. Maybe maybe they'll do another story later on it. Maybe not. But you're you're not Alaskans are not getting readers are not getting a full understanding of the impact of this legislation until 
they're also told and also educated on 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 the impacts of where the dollars come from and and who's going to pay and who's going to pay those dollars. Uh, Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're talking about the weekly top three. Number two, again, is, as he just pointed out, only getting half the information from the uh, from the local news media on this issue. Uh, Brad, final thoughts on this before we move on to number three? Well, I think it's I think it's absolutely critical that that we have that we have a discussion of who pays. And part of the part of the problem may be we may not have legislators stepping up and saying, Hey, it's important also to consider who pays uh, for for these additional funds. And I, to the extent that we have legislators listening, I would encourage them if they ever get contacted about these stories, who say for them to respond by saying, "Look, half the story is what you want to spend it on. The other half, an equal half, a co-equal half, is is who you who's going to be spending, uh, uh, who's going to be the source of these additional funds you want to spend." And so, so we have legislators raising that issue. Uh, as well. Uh, let's get on to number three, which is a story about uh, some disputes over facilities up on the slope. And what does this do for us? And what does it mean for Alaska? Uh, this is about a suit that ConocoPhillips is uh, putting forward. We've talked about the dispute between uh, Oil Search and Conoco before uh, That that's now matured into this lawsuit. The dispute is over access by oil search or now Santos, uh, the developers of the Pika project, access by them to roads, that surface roads that Conoco has built uh, in, its, uh, in its area to service its, uh, its, uh, 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 service its facilities. You want as small a footprint on the North Slope as you possibly can have. Uh, some of the Conoco roads could be useful in getting to a portion of the Pika properties, uh, and not not require the duplication of roads. And Pika has asked for not require the expense or the or the impact on the environment or the additional permitting that would that would be required for additional roads. And so, Oil Search has been pressing for access to these roads by Conoco. Conoco offered the roads, but at, but at a fairly high price. Um, uh, and uh, and Pika took that took the dispute to the Department of Natural Resources. Department of Natural Resources found that oil search can have access to the Conoco roads uh, to get to their property, roads built and maintained by Conoco to get to the, to get to the oil search properties. Um, and now Conoco is taking that DNR decision to court. We've been here, we've been here before. In the early 2000s, uh, one, of, one of my uh, bread and butter disputes as I, I had as a lawyer was a dispute between uh, various uh, uh, new producers, new entrants on the North Slope, and the incumbents about access to various facilities. The only facilities that are that that the producers are required to give access to third parties to are the major trunk pipelines on the North Slope. Those operate as common carriers, and and third parties can have have access to those pipelines. But everything else on the slope, field lines, field uh, 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 facilities processing facilities, all that sort of stuff, um, uh, you have to negotiate uh, for access. And it really, it bogs down the system. I mean, new and new new players don't know if they're going to be able to get access, don't know if they're going to have to try to permit duplicate facilities, which they probably wouldn't be able to do. They don't know what the cost is of accessing the existing facilities on the slope. 
So it really slows down the process of development up there. In, in the early 2000s, there was a white paper that the Department of Natural Resources did that said we ought to have rules for sharing facilities. We ought to, we ought to lay out the, both that the, the third parties can have access and the economic terms and conditions under which they can have access. Um, we haven't done that yet, so we continue to have these sorts of disputes. Well, because it makes no sense to have to rebuild a road parallel to another road that's already there but you don't want it to be priced out of the market where exploration or development can't happen. And so I think- But you, you, you couldn't get a second road permitted. That's, that's sort of the real exactly. problem. Once you've got a road, that's it. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, Brad, thanks for coming on board and joining us today. As always, an interesting discussion. Uh, we'll see you next week. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up. Our two dead ahead. Chris Story is going to be joining us. We'll also have some phone calls and some discussion with you right here on The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Back with more after this. I mean, I can understand having a set amount where, you know, uh, oil search has to pay a portion but we've seen this in the past conoco in the past has done similar things in the past where they've priced out uh they've shut out small fields that couldn't get their oil into the main pipeline uh and they've shut out small fields to the point to where the smaller producers basically throw their hands up in the air and then conoco acquires a new smaller field and things like that pricing things out especially when you can't build more infrastructure I mean, at that point, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, government stepping in, but at some point they got to set some rules that says, okay, look, you can charge, you know, within this price range, but not pricing it basically out so that nothing pencils out and becomes economically feasible. We need the development in the state. Yeah, there, there's a there's a balance here. I mean, Conoco invested the money uh, in building these roads. They sized the roads uh, to, to their needs, not necessarily the needs, their needs plus somebody else. Um, and, and so there's, there's a, there, they've made an investment and we ought to respect the investment, but there's a, there's a counterbalance. And that is that, you know, you're not going to get additional facilities permitted. You're not going to, you're not going to get duplicative facilities permitted. You're not going to get, um, uh, uh, the economics of, of some of these smaller fields, the development economics of some of these smaller fields to work if they can't piggyback on top of existing facilities, uh, that are out there, and there and there's this balance here. When when somebody called, when Alex DeMarvin from ADN called and asked me for a, a comment on on the Conoco uh, oil search dispute, my response was, "It's DNR's fault." I mean, we've known since the early 2000s that we have these disputes, um, and we know that these disputes can 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 result in slowing down, if not killing, additional development on the North Slope. Third party. An independent new entrant development on the North Slope. So we've known these disputes are out there. We ought to have rules that govern it. I mean, there is a balance. The rules ought to take that balance into account. They ought to say that, you know, if you build a road or you build a facility, um, you get, you know, priority access to it and somebody else has to sort of work around your schedule as opposed to, you know, giving up a portion of the benefit that you, that why you invested in the road or the size you, you made on the road. There ought to be a balance to it, but we ought to have rules. We ought not to have this be a situation in which every time this the, this dispute comes up, it's like, you know, somebody's just invented the world again 
and we've got to go through this dispute process, and then we've got to go through complaints to DNR, and then we've got to go through court appeals, and and everything's got to stay in limbo, and everything's got to sort of you know uh, uh, be held up pending the re resolution of it. We ought to have rules that that DNR sets up, and the rules ought to ought to be balanced, and they ought to take into account the interests of both the incumbents and the and the new entrants. But there ought to be rules so that so that when these disputes come up. We've got a place to go. We've got a place to resolve it quickly, fairly, in a balanced fashion, and move on with it, and 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 keep development going as opposed to slowing it down. It's just, I mean, we've been here before. I lived I lived through this in the in the late 1990s, early 2000s. We've been here. We know it's an issue. We had a white paper that said let's develop rules that deal with this, and then we didn't uh, because the because the dispute sort of went away. Uh, and now, now they're back and now we're, you know, doing this all over again, uh, when we shouldn't be. And it's important, it's important from the standpoint of development, because you want new entrants to know that they have the security of being able to, to develop their property if they find something. Right. Like, we don't want people in boardrooms saying, well, I develop, I, I invest in Alaska, but I don't know, even if I find something, I'll, if I'll ever be able to get it out. We want them to know that they're going to be able to do that on terms and conditions that are fair. You know what the terms and conditions are. You factor it into your development plan and you go forward. Uh, having Letting this all just be resolved by dispute whenever it shows up, uh, I think is just sort of the worst way uh, to do this. So now that it's shown up again, hopefully we will hopefully we'll go forward and, and we'll get some rules so it doesn't happen yet another time down the road. Well, and this is something the administration could take on on their own. I mean, like you said, there's already been a white paper that outlines, you know, how this could work and how these rules could be laid out. There's nothing to say that the administration uh, and the DNR under this administration couldn't put those rules forward and and put it together and create a framework to avoid potential future conflicts. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, we, we don't we don't we don't need this stuff going off to court. We don't need this stuff taking time. We don't need a bunch of money being spent on legal proceedings when we could just, you know, <coughs> have a set of rules and deal with it from that. So it's, I, it's, it was time to do that in the early 2000s. We got close. We never completed it. This administration, I think, does need to complete it and get a basic set of rules down so we don't, we don't impede new developments by, uh, by these sorts of disputes. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. But Brad, what are you looking for into next week, do you think? I mean, we're going to start... Your next top three is going to be the first day of the session. Uh, are you looking at the formation of the majorities? I mean, what are you what are you looking at here for next week's top three? Uh, pre-files. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start working through the pre-files. I didn't do that uh, uh, when they first came out. There's another batch of pre-files that are going to come, uh, and I'll start looking at uh, start looking at those. Um, and and certainly from the standpoint of of those pre-files that deal with fiscal issues or deal with uh, deal with oil issues. I'm also going to talk. I'm also going to be digging into a little bit uh, uh, what Department of Revenue is doing about uh, about looking at alternative revenue sources. Are, are part of my concern is the Dunleavy administration is responsible for PFD cuts because they're not putting forward alternatives to to PFDs. I mean, they're saying this is spending, and we're not in, and we're going to have pie in the sky revenues that are unrealistic, and so they're leaving the only alternative being the PFD. So. Part of what I'm doing this coming week is looking at what the Department of Revenue is doing on, on digging into alternative revenue. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thanks for coming on board. Um, as always, an interesting discussion. 
Michael, as always, uh, as always, thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, being part of it today. Folks, we're coming up uh, on uh, hour two of the big radio broad- uh, broadcast. And, uh, whoops, it's going to be me, not Brad. That's what's going to happen. We're going to continue. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where we've got links to the audio-only live stream, the podcast, and so much more, uh, including uh, the uh, uh, the simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Welcome to the program. It is The Michael Duke Show, hour two of the big radio show. We've just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad came on board and uh, gave us some of his thoughts and ideas and uh, concerns about what we're looking at out here in uh, in uh, you know the upcoming session and and the stories that we're getting the coverage that we're getting on this from the various news outlets where Brad says we're only getting half the story uh, which uh, I mean I I think that that's fair I think that we're only getting half the story and. Uh, we need to <clears throat> we need to look at the idea of who pays for these things. All these wonderful modern ideas of uh, oh, we need to spend more on pretty much everything. I mean, the first thing is education, and then we move on from that to teacher retention and benefits and retirement plans, and then uh, you know all the other things, all the other ideas that they really want to. Uh, throw more money at. But the question is, how do we pay for it all? Uh, the answer so far has been <clears throat> through the PFD. That's how we that's how we do it, through the PFD. Um, and uh, there seems to be no will, uh, I mean, outside of this program, right? We've talked on this program and the, the listenership, the chat room uh, folks out there, we've talked about cutting the size and scope of government, but we seem to be really the only ones that are discussing that. Nobody else is talking about it. Uh, and uh, so the question is, how do we do that? How do we how do we pay for all the things that we have for the size and scope of government that we want uh, and still make it equitable, still make it, uh, you know, I mean, the equitable thing to do really would be to cut back on the size and scope of government and live within our means. But that's not the will. That's not the will. I guess that I would even say that that's not the will of the electorate. 
they seem to be okay with, you know, paying for the size of state government the way we're doing it right now by taking the PFD and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's fine. That's what we're going to do. Uh, any talk of taxation is immediately, uh, you know, uh, riddled uh, by the crowd that says we should do cuts only. I mean, I here's the thing. I really believe that we should be cuts. I really believe that we should be cutting the size and scope of government. The question is, how do we do it with the crowd that's in there right now? I mean, I'm really asking a question. How do we do that? And I I welcome your thoughts on that. I welcome your calls. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We're opening up the phone lines in this segment to talk about that because I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback on the things that Brad has talked about in the past and that he talked about just this morning. Uh even my comment on um from uh you know about the taxation method preferred method of taxation is what I said. And Donna Ardwin lays out a very, I mean, it, she basically lays it out there and says it, says it like it is. Preferred method of taxation is like preferred method of your execution. She's not wrong. She is not wrong. I mean, we are being offered, we're being offered the following choice. Would you like a poo sandwich or a diarrhea milkshake? Which would you prefer? To which most of us say, is there a third option? Because neither one of those sounds appetizing in the least. Right? I mean, but that that's kind of what we're being faced with. The lesser of all bad choices. The lesser of all evils. I mean, that's why we've talked about the you know what I said was the preferred method of taxation. Because the bottom line is, right now, we are being taxed. We are being taxed right now. We're being taxed by the, uh, you know, by the, uh, um, uh, you know, by the cuts to the PFD. Those are the taxation points that we're talking about. So how, how do we, how do we fix this? How do we go from here? What, what do we do to change the narrative, to change the argument, because that's really the only argument we're left with. The argument you're left with was, would you like the sandwich or the milkshake? N no, no. We What we really want is neither one of those. So that's, a, that's too bad because that's what the powers that be are saying are, are, are giving to you. So vote harder, right? Vote harder. Put in different... We've been we've been voting harder for a while now. I mean, we have changed out, you know, half the legislature in the last four years. We've changed out a whole number of legislators. Unfortunately, a couple of the key players are still in there, and they're the ones that are offering you the two items. So let's crowdsource this. Let's let's get you. To tell me, how do we get off this topic of revenues? How do we get off this topic of how to pay for it all? I'm, I'm desperately interested in your thoughts on that. Because, again, I've been in the 
no taxes crowd forever. I've been in the cut the size and scope of government forever. But basically, they're going to shoehorn us into this corner and we're not going to if we don't do something, we're not going to have a choice. It's going to be not only do they take the PFD, but there's going to be taxation on top of it because they can't control or have no political will to control any of the spending. Period. I mean, that's that's the that's the bottom line. So how do we get out of this corner that they're painting us into? How do we do it? I have no I have no more answers, folks. Because I mean, I've showed everything from, you know, the cutting back to the fiscal policy working group to some kind of manageable thing that protects the PFD. I mean, if you wanted ideally, if you had one solution, the solution would be to enshrine the PFD in the constitution. Because that would immediately take away their ability to excess spend on that because they wouldn't have the piggy bank of the PFD to draw from anymore. I mean, that's a solution. But again, it comes back to political will. Is there the political will to do that? Your thoughts on this at 907-433-3150. Let's go over here to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Carlene in Kodiak. Good morning. Good morning. Um, about this case public muted and who pays and how much, and it seems like we need an accurate accounting because they claim the BSA only went up four percent, but what about all the other spending? That should all be under one heading and accounting all combined for spending for education. When they make it all separate, it sounds like uh, they're just scraping by. Right. Well, I mean, that's, look, that's part, that's part of the problem, Carlene, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole issue right there is that they are taking and cherry picking one thing out and saying, look, we haven't, we haven't increased the spending on this one item. And so we need to, you know, what we really need to do is we really need to increase the spending on the water. Pay no attention to the fact that we've spent exponentially ever increasing amounts of money on all this other stuff. But, you know, go ahead and and uh, and and do that. This is the this is the ploy that they're using right now. Carlene, are you still with me? Yes, I am. Um, it just feels like the same thing is going on with the Medicaid and the separation with uh, Health and Human Service. Now they can uh, just muted. Oh, you know. Right, right. Well, I, I definitely see that, Carly, and I see it I'm being a, a problem. I'm sorry, Mike. For sure. Uh, thank you for calling in, Carlene. We appreciate you being part of the show today. Let's go over to the next line and see what you have to say. What is the solution in your mind? Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Hello, Michael. Yes. Yeah, hi, hi. My name's uh, Tim. I'm calling you from Stewart. Good morning, Tim. What's on your and, mind? Uh, 
Well, I, I wanted to make a few points that you don't make when we're talking about education and see what your thoughts are on, on what I think about it. Okay. Um, you know, oftentimes you mentioned the uh, per-student cost and that our, our costs are so much higher than the, uh, you know, the rest of the country. And also, you know, the the lowest or in the in the low range of uh, student achievement. But you know, there's a few there's a different way of looking at a lot of this stuff. Okay. First of all, uh, one of the reasons why we have the highest cost of schools is because we have the highest uh, amount. We 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 have some of the most difficult. Uh, environments to have a school in in the world as far as uh, wintertime temperatures goes. So naturally, the utilities, electricity, heating, water are all much more expensive because of that. Uh, we also, there most in, in a lot of the communities in Alaska, the largest building in the in the villager community is the school, and you know, I. I I, I I don't even know what it costs to eat some of these places. They're so massive with high ceilings and gymnasiums and things. But individuals sure couldn't pay for it. Uh, and and also I I need to point out that whenever there's a, a a serious emergency in any community, whether it be Anchorage or Tuntutuliak, the school becomes a vital resource in helping people. And you know. I think you want to have a place like that in case there's a huge fire or flood or, or uh, you know, a, a, an emergency where people need to relocate and because maybe their homes aren't available or, you know, they've lost power somehow. So, you know, I always, you, I, I guess I'm just trying to put a different spin on it. And, and, and as far as how to pay for it, I, uh, where I'm, first moved to Alaska, every year there was a $10 school tax that everybody that worked had to pay, whether they were a resident or not. And I'm not sure why we're not still doing that. Right. The head tax that they were talked about. So, no, I mean, look, there there are there are concerns of the state of Alaska based on geography and weather and things like that. We are the largest school, you know, in the state. But I mean, let's talk about duplicative effort. Let's talk about for example, um, you know, in Hawaii, they have one school district that covers the entire island chain. Uh, we have 53 separate school districts for the same thing that are all duplicating, you know, superintendents and guides and janitors and, and counselors and, you know, all the administrative overhead and things like that. Now, I'm not saying that we I'm not advocating that we go to one school district, but why couldn't we if we cut half those school districts down to where we only had 25 school districts instead of 54, 53, then what could we save there in those duplicative efforts? I mean, you've got school districts that have got 50,000 students in them, and you've got school districts that have got 10 students in them. Why can't we consolidate down so that there's an equitable number across a variety of areas? That's just one way that we could save the money. Uh, you know, in and pooling health cares and doing all those other things, finding more efficiencies, getting more money into the classroom versus into the overhead and the administrative processes. I mean, we have fewer students today than we did 10 years ago. 
and yet the administrative costs have continued to skyrocket and the number of administrators have continued to increase. I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be an education system. I'm saying that we need to take a look at ways to make them more efficient. And yes, Alaska has its own uniqueness, but that's not the that's not the ultimate reason why we're seeing these costs skyrocket. It's because we have an administrative and overhead and a and a burden that's just huge. I think I buy that. Yeah. I think you're right. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you calling in, but we are up against the break. We've got to go. We're going to continue in just a moment. Chris Story is our guest. We're going to talk with him here in just a hot minute. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with our weekly life coaching lesson in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are... In the break right now, Chris Story is going to join us here in just a moment, and so we're going to continue with him and uh, get our get our weekly life coach on. Get our weekly life coach on. That's what's uh, coming up here uh, in just a moment. We're going to be happy. We're going to be happy that that's uh, that that's coming out. Uh, appreciate you guys being part of it here and coming in and joining us. Um, Let's see. Let me do this right here. Okay. All right. Uh, making sure everything is uh, going on here. Let me uh, let me see what you guys have been talking. Uh, the Alaska Policy Forum has published a good papers on Alaskan education spending. Sarah Monteblano would be a great guest. All right. Well, we'll see if we can reach out to Sarah. Thank you for the uh, thank you for the uh, uh, for the hot tip there, Donna. I appreciate it, Don Ardwin, uh, joining us on that. Uh, unless you look, I something I actually agree with Harold on. Unless you reform the education funding in this state, nothing positive will happen for scores and the chronic budget deficits. Yes, yes, that uh, that is something that we've uh, that we're talking about. Absolutely, um, I I. <laughs> I absolutely say that that is the first thing that we should be tackling. Is that uh, is that uh, issue of reforming the education funding and the formula and looking at things like consolidation and all that other kind of stuff. Um, If uh, Alaska education, whoops, wrong one. Uh, If Alaska education was in the top five instead of the bottom five, I would say money well spent. Yet we're paying too much for poor performance. Yes, and the performance continues to slide. That's the biggest concern is the performance continues to slide. And we still have, you know, one in four students don't graduate. And those students that do graduate require remedial education to be able to get into college-level classes on things like math. I mean, that shouldn't be happening with the amount of money that we're spending on these systems. That should, I mean, that should not be happening. But here it is. Here's where it sits. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy stuff. Chris Story, the man from Homer. 
joins us this morning. Hello, my friend. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Michael. Fantastic. On top of the world, no complaints. Uh, Other than I learned this morning, I'm being taxed. You're being taxed. Yes, you are being taxed. You didn't you didn't notice that before? Was this this is something that you just didn't uh, that you just didn't you weren't paying attention to or what? Just a rude wake up call. How dare you? How how dare I talk about those kind of things? Shooting the messenger. Shooting the messenger. Yes, exactly. Uh, Chris Story, uh, author of The Backyard Millionaire and many other stories as well. Uh, And, uh, you know, guru and potter and. I don't know what else. What else do you do in your spare time, Chris? Puts. I mean, you, you what? Putts? Okay. Putts. Putts. Bit of a putts. Bit of a putts. This guy is a bit of a putts. That's all I'm saying right now. Uh, so, uh, how's your week been, my friend? Give us a give us an update. So far, so good. It's only Tuesday, you understand. Um, but maybe you're maybe you're not on my same calendar. But it's, the week is going as I expected. A lot like last week, which is good. Yeah, well, I meant the whole week since we talked last. I'm sorry, I didn't. Oh, okay. I, you putts. I did just, you know, I was like trying to stretch it out from like when we talked last time. Has everything been okay? Oh, Never God. mind. I don't even care yes. anymore. Never mind. Just you know. <laughs> right. You didn't care to begin with. Let's be yeah, honest. I mean, you're you know, making you're filling time. Filling I'm just, time until we go live. Yeah. Uh, you should see this. I mean, if you were on video like every other guest that I have, uh, you'd see that I've got new mm-hmm. stuff for you and logos, the Backyard Millionaire logo and everything else is up there on the screen. And I mean, it's... Okay, well, see, this is my loss. Yeah, my loss. it is your loss, totally. You should be part of this whole... You should you should stop being a Luddite and get with the cultural revolution. I mean, come on, things are yeah. things are doing doing well. I'm a bit troglodytic. Yeah, troglodytic. Yes, knuckle dragging troglodyte. That's whenever I see that. In fact, if you look that up in the dictionary, there's a picture of Chris Story there. It's all that's right. It's all good. Exactly. All right, my well, friend. With a logo. With with the logo, at least at least branding is always a part of what he does. All right, hold the line, my friend. We're going to be right back to you. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's get with it. Here we go. Okay, we're continuing now. Next segment of the show, our weekly life coaching lesson. Uh, We meet with the one, the only, Chris Story. Ilovehomeralaska.com is his website. You can listen to him every Tuesday and Thursdays on the stations of KPEN down on the peninsula and all their translators and everything. uh, Where he comes on to talk about positivity, pottery, realty, whatever he wants to. And of course, he comes on every week with us to uh, to chat about uh, life and give us a little bit of a give us a little bit of a life coaching lesson uh, on things. Uh, so, good morning, my friend. What's uh, what's going on with you? What's what's happening? What are we what are we discussing on today's big radio broadcast? Only what I need for myself, and that's one of the. That the, the essence of what I do in this field, in this area that I have been studying and researching and, and reading and 
committing myself to for the past 22 years is only for what I need. So if what I need happens to overlap with what you need and want to hear right now, fantastic. We have synergy. If not, and maybe next week will be for you. But today I want to talk about leaping into your best life, how to leap into your best life this year in 2023. Okay. So kind of a new year, new day, new idea, new attitude. Mm -hmm. How do we leap into our best life? What is the, what is the choice here? Well, I don't know if you remember, you and I were having lunch at a Thai restaurant um, last summer when you were, you were in town and I gave you a coin. I gave you my copper coin, which is the, the coin of the realm on top of the world. And sure. has our logo on one side, on the reverse side, three instructions for living a good life. And, and I printed these, minted these coins for myself. And I love to share them with people that I care about because the philosophy that's on the reverse of that coin means, I believe, the, the, the bare essence of what it is to live a good life, which means to look forward, learn from your past, but live right here in the present. So as we look at leaping into our best life this year, looking forward means that, yes, of course, we're going to set goals and we're going to set goals that are compelling, something that will pull you forward, not just comfortable or maybe just a little raising the bar a little to meet minimum inflation expectations and, you know, minimum viable increase over time. No, I'm talking about something that will compel you to leap out of bed and something that gives you a bright, shiny future to look forward to. However, the admonition is do not live there. You can't live so far into the future that you're ignoring now, that you're ignoring this conversation because you've already moved on to something that's gonna happen this afternoon or next month or year. You're looking forward with goals that compel you and pull you forward, but you don't live there. You still live in the present, but you reflect on where you wanna go. Well, I think the secret to leaping. Yeah. Well, this is also, I mean, I think that there's a, there's a, almost an antithesis to what you just talked about, because you'll find some people who live there, who live in the future, who are living, you know, we would call them, potentially call them daydreamers, right? I mean, people who are so wrapped up in the future that they're not paying attention to what's going on now, but you'll also run into people who live in the past, Right. I mean, this is the guy that you went to high school with that was the star quarterback who now works down at the Piggly Wiggly. And but all he does on the weekends is try and relive the glory days of when he was the star quarterback kind of thing. Right. So, I mean, there's a there's you can go too far in either direction. You can live too far in the future and you can live too far in the past. Instead of learning for the past, you're dwelling in the past and you need to be focused again, learning from the past, looking towards the future, but living in the moment. Precisely. And learning from, from your past and, you know, learning from where you've been, looking at the roadmap of your life that got you here and being grateful for those experiences, but not being the victor or victim from the past. You know, the victor is the, the quarterback you described from his senior year in high school. Um, and, and the victim is the person who grew up without, grew up with lack, impoverished of love or money or uh, who, you know, went through different experiential things that are horrific and horrible, and I'm sorry. However, if you live as that victim for the rest of your life from your past, it's going to predict your future. So you can look backwards, as you just said, and then learn from those experiences and be grateful for having had them, even if they weren't great. So it created, and you can recognize 
that you wouldn't be who you are today absent those experiences. So, so often the things that, you know, it's Napoleon Hill's quote about with every adversity comes with it, the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit, that can be your past. That could be in a very adverse past, and yet it's helped you become who you are today. So learn from it, but don't live there. Don't live, as you say, in those glory days or in those gory days where it's just awful and you continually perpetuate victimhood into your present. Sure. You're destroying your present, which will impoverish your future. Right. Sure. No, I mean, I think that that's a that's a, a, a the go- glory days and the gory days. I like I like that because that is 100 percent true. We see people who, um, you know, wear their victimhood like a shield. I mean, they util- they utilize it to justify their current path or their behavior or their failure or anything else, just like we see people who are living in the glory days, uh, you know, saying, I don't have it and I should because I was the star, whatever, the prom queen or the quarterback or, or you know, the state champ or whatever. You can't live back there. So break it down for me, Chris. How do we get from, you know, here here I am. I'm just a brand new guy listening to Chris' story on a Tuesday and I hear it and it kind of sparks my interest and I'm like, okay, smart guy. How do I do that? How do I focus on the future, learn from my past, but live right now and today? Break break it down. to me. Talk to me like I'm five and break it down for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Michael, finish your carrots, then you can have your dessert. Oh, good boy. Um, good boy. <laughs> you know, I think it's a matter of understanding your principles and your principles do not have to change in order for you to become somebody new or for you to adopt new ideas or for you to adopt new practices or habits into the future that will enhance who you become you do not have to abandon principles like think about our constitution all men are created equal principle fantastic can't no need to change it that's etched in stone however the practice in america uh, has dramatically trained, changed such that we're living up to that principle. Even though we didn't for a while, we knew where we were going. We were projecting into the future the greatness that could be America in this great experiment in equality, in independence, and putting the sovereign individual above the collective, and yet at the same time growing what it is that America stood for from the start. So you can look back at your life and say, look, my principles may not have changed this is good however i can change my habits and practices it's good to take an inventory it's good to take a stock of what those experiences were what those habits were and that's the looking backward and then project forward what do you want to do who do you want to become where do you want to go and then focus on this moment and so i think it's a matter of journaling and this lots of comes back to with between you and me in our conversations writing things down uh, every single day, uh, Marcus Aurelius. I've been revisiting his his book, which he didn't write actually. It's called Meditations, and really, it's Marcus Aurelius's journals that he wrote. Whether he be on the combat field, whether he be, he be back at the, the the palace, wherever it was, he would write a paragraph, a sentence, or a page every single day. And he was reflecting on his life. He was regurgitating the wisdom of Cicero and those that came before him. He was also meditating on experiences that he was having and looking forward and also reflecting on his past but it really made a big difference in his life such that you know a couple thousand years later we're talking about him right and his journal which many people that have analyzed it that he'd be horrified if he had known that it would put into publication because it was just for himself 
And yet it was wise enough for him. It's probably something we could adopt and practice every single day and recognize that what we write down, like sometimes people say, I don't know what I think about it until I write about it. And that can be a really wholesome and cathartic experience and, and take these big ideas and put it into practice every single day, which is to keep a journal, reflect on where you've been, projecting where you want to go, and giving praise and gratitude for what you've got and who you've got in your life today. That's living in the present and being aware that, yeah, one day when I get the, the Ferrari, the retirement, the boat, the, the, the spouse of my dreams, whatever it is, when you get those things and people and experiences and relationships, yes, you that might make you happy. But if you haven't been happy along the way in the journey and in the process, probably won't find happiness or contentment there either. Right. Well, we've talked about that before, that if you can't find fulfillment and joy in the journey of wherever you're going, then it doesn't matter if you get there because you're not going to be satisfied anyway at that point. Um, But yeah, and I and I like this idea of, you know, writing things down. I mean, I'm more of a uh, I'm more of a visual guy. You know, I'm more of an audio guy. I, I seem to have a hard time in some, you know, to to motivate myself to write, uh, you know, to write journals or to journal or do some of those things. But in the few times that I have written down my goals and accomplished it and ruminated on it and studied it, um, it has had a big impact on me. Uh, and so I think that you're right. I, to me, that's the one way to look forward. I'm not trying to live in the future. I'm not trying to, you know, spend all my time daydreaming about one day when I hit the big time or one day when I, but it gives me the focus of if I'm going to be doing the things that I'm doing, how do I need to get there? Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think that's important. So how do you, how do you utilize that to also, you know, not, uh, to, to not find yourself living in the past? That's something that I haven't struggled with, but I've known people who have lived and, and struggled with that where again, whether it was the gory days or the glory days, they just can't seem to get out of that. How do you utilize uh, the journaling to do that? Or is there something else that we'd use for people who are stuck looking backwards in the rearview mirror? I love this quote about our, our, this question, and it's a, a bit of a question quote. Are you living a new year or are you reliving last year? Are you living the same year over and over again? Les Brown said many people die at 25, but don't get buried until they're 85. And they're just reliving the same year, absentmindedly sleepwalking through life. So you can analyze and ask yourself that question and get really honest with yourself and say, wait a minute, do I truly want to leap into this year and become more, do more, have more, contribute more, or do I just want to relive last year? Because you can do it. Because it's already, what, January 10th? Yeah. Well, it was this time, it was this date, this time last year. Uh, are you going to do on January 10th what you did last January 10th? You could do it. And I'm not here to criticize you for doing it unless you're absentmindedly doing it. If you're just doing it because that's the way you've always done it, I suggest you stop, take a real hard analysis, and project into this year what you want to do, have, become, contribute. Uh, John Maxwell said the greatest enemy of tomorrow's success is today's success. So if it worked today, well, my God, why shouldn't I do it tomorrow? Well, because if you're doing it absentmindedly or unintentionally, you the unintended consequence of reliving today, tomorrow, is that you're not really living in the present. I just sent you a text message, Mike. I don't know if you got it, but it's a picture of a journal I got made, I had made 
got made. I don't know. I'll let the editor figure that out. But I had these made at Vistaprint. So I took my logo, which is uh, Born to Live on Top of the World, and it's an octopus gripping the world in its tentacles. And Alaska, by the way, is encompassed and circled by one of the tentacles. Dan Coe made this artwork for me. I sketched it. He made the beautiful artwork. And I use it all the time. For myself, if not um, other people, we made our new 2023 coin with this, uh, with this logo on it as well. But it, this journal is a blank pages. It's a journal that Vistaprint printed for me. I, I had four of them made. I'm going to use one for every quarter. And they're blank pages. There's no lines in there. And that was done specifically and on purpose because I didn't want to be inhibited by lines. I want to be able to draw, sketch. I want to be able to, to just jot down a quote I read. And when you and I are done with this conversation, I'm going to be journaling just quick little paragraph about what we talked about and kind of memorialize it in this journal. It's custom. It's to me, it inspires me. Every time I look at it, I'm, I'm inspired to write in it because I custom made it. It right. cost me what? I think 10 bucks, 12 bucks for each one. It's no big deal. And so you could do that and customize this for yourself. Or you could go down to your local store, get a moleskin and, and start journaling in those. Whatever works for you. But it works for me not to have lines because I don't want to be inhibited by that quote blank page. I like the empty page. No lines, no rules. It's my journal, and I can do what I want to. It. And I've already sketched in it this year. I, I draw a little ideas, uh, and I'm not inhibited by the line. So that's just my practice. You get to define and, and refine your practice for yourself, and I just suggest that you have one. And that as we approach the, the middle of the month of January, guess what? It's going to be May before we know it. We'll be celebrating Memorial Day, then Independence Day, then uh, you know, summer solstice, then next thing you know, it's Veterans Day, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then we're back here going, hey, it's January 10th. Right. What do you want uh, for 2024? How, how do we get here so fast? Uh, some good advice. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Thank you, my friend, for coming on board and joining us. We appreciate that. Uh, hold the line for just my a second. Pleasure. Folks, uh, we got more coming up. We'll open line to the next segment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break real quick with Chris Story. Uh, people were asking, oh, they want to see the they want to see the cover here. Uh, so uh, I uh, I pulled it off my phone real quick. Whoops, wrong one. Uh, and I will uh, let me let me. Excuse me while I pull this uh, this discussion here. Where is it? Here it is, right here. Um, too, I got too, I got too many windows, too many windows up right now. Here we go. Is that it right there? No, that's not it. Um, no, that's not it. There we go. Facebook. Okay, so here's the here's the picture uh, for uh, Chris Story fans. You want to take a look at it? Uh, Born to live. On top of the world, and he's got the octopus and uh, Alaska, as he said, and everything else. Uh, great, great, great little picture there uh, for folks to see it. Chris, final thoughts on this? Uh, you know this this because I I love how you come in at the like the ten thousand foot level and you're showing us kind of the overview, but some of us are just you know struggling to make it day to day. I remember I I saw I was watching a show uh, the other night and one of the characters in it said. Uh, you know, it was was talking to his boss and, and his boss was saying, you know, what we do is dangerous. And, you know, you probably should have just listened to mom and dad and not come with me and blah, blah, blah. And the kid's like, I woke up every morning. I went to work. I came home. 
I drank some whiskey and I smoked some weed or whatever, and I went to sleep and I got up and did it the next morning, and that's not a life. And that that phrase kind of struck me because, like you said, it's we could get into that that rut, that habit of just, you know, getting up, going to work, coming home, you know, stopping by the bar on the way home, getting a drink, or coming home and just vegetating and going to bed and getting up the next morning and doing it all over again. And no wonder we don't feel like we have a fulfilled life because we're just in that rut and we have no direction. This is what you're talking about with that looking to the future and informing all of our current decisions based on where we're going on our future vision and learning from where we've been in our past vision. Am I, am I right there? Or? Yeah, no, I love that. And, and that's why I created these coins that I, I keep one in my pocket at all times. And it's just a constant reminder to myself, if I happen to be slipping into the future too far or reveling in the past too far or reminiscing in a, in a regretful, mournful way on something that's lost or gone, I grab that coin. It reminds me right now, jump back into the present, be present, be here right now. And it's the same with journaling. And again, these are practices that I have for me, and I just share them because it might inform and enlighten somebody else. And so I want to I want to share it, but it's not prescriptive for all. It's just what works for me. Right. But I think definitely having this word. So uh, a number of years ago, we started as a family just coming up with a word. What's your word for the year? And we think about it for a month or two before January 1st. And then so my word for 2023, 2022 was family. I really want to make family a focus. Uh, and then this year for 2023 is leap. The word is leap for me. And I'm still setting goals, Michael, financial, fitness, health, relationships, all those goals I still set. However, the umbrella over everything that I do and think about and I'm moving towards this year is leaping. And as a result of that, it's it's pulling me forward to a very compelling, wonderful future. And, and I'm really reaching higher than I would have absent that word. And it makes the gives the goals that I've set some real life to them. So but that just again, that works for me. Right. Maybe maybe that sounds hollow to somebody else, but that's okay. No. They'll find their own practice. Well, you know, I agree. I mean, you talked about um the the uh what was the name of the little, I just, I, uh, the, uh, the, it, it works, it works, it works. It okay. works. I'm sorry. It works. Mm-hmm. That was the, uh, the little pamphlet that uh, I was able to yeah. find on the internet. And, uh, I utilized that for the last half of last year. And I got to tell you, mm-hmm. it really made me think it really, it made me stretch for things where, I mean, not that I'm ever kind of complacent in what I do, but it, boy, it made me stretch myself, my goals and it made me think about it, this little tiny pamphlet that, you know, whatever it is, a dozen pages or 15 pages. And, you know, it works. It's not only the name of the pamphlet, but it's what happens. And it's keeping that in mind and setting those goals. And I haven't done that yet for 2023. And I need to. This is just a good reminder. This is just a reminder that, that happened, I need to. Yeah. That guy, R.H.J., who wrote that, sent it to a buddy of his and said, it was just a little manuscript. And he said, hey, what do you think about this formula? And the guy came back with just two words. He goes, it works. And that became the title of it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this works. Yeah. It works. It and works. It, it'll work for you, too. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you, my friend. As always, a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, you and I should probably speak later today uh, as well. Uh, yeah. But uh, we'll get things squared away. Thanks for Thanks for coming on board today. I appreciate it. I had fun. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being part of it today. Maybe next week we'll talk you into video. I don't I don't know. We'll see. He just hung up on me. Just that's okay. It's okay. It's all good. 
It's all good. We'll try and get it done. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's go over here and uh, we will continue Chris Story, uh, our guest uh, on the big radio program of the Michael Duke show. Uh, I guess we'll open up the phone lines and we'll start. Uh, we'll start from there. I, well, I guess I can't, I can't talk anymore. That's what it's all about. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke show, common sense radio, like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Here we go. Yes, that ding means that we're back to it. One final segment of the show this morning, as we get ready to uh, as we get ready to go. Yes, to Shana, it was Tulsa King. Thank you very much. Uh, talking with folks in the chat room this morning. Don't forget, you can always be part of the chat with us by going over to Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Michael Duke Show, Facebook.com/slash Michael Duke Show. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, I've left the phone lines open this morning for discussions and topics and whatever else that you. I guess what we'll just open line, open line, whatever you want to talk about this morning. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear from you uh, and see what you have to say. I mean, I, I'll go back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the uh, of this hour and of this segment, which is, of course, uh, the idea that somehow. We can, uh, you know, we can find a way to achieve our dreams. And our dreams here on the program, I would think that my dreams and most of the listeners' dreams, is, you know, that we could cut our budgets and live within our means here in the state of Alaska. That's the dream. Is it viable? And how do we get there? Because, again... I've been, you know, for example, talking with Brad Keithley for eight years now. I've been talking with Brad about sustainable budgets, you know, living within our means, getting politicians to come. That first year it was so funny, 2014, to try and get these politicians to commit to trying to hold the budget at uh, 4.1. That was the first number. And then it went down to four and then it went down to 3.9. But $4.1 billion, trying to get politicians to commit to trying to hold that budget number uh, was, you know, it was like trying to hold water in your hands. You know, it was like, it was, it was, you just couldn't do it. They just slipped right through your fingers. They didn't want to commit to that because, well, because they got a constituency to uh, impress or to a reelection election to win. And they didn't want to commit to that because, you know, they got to get back in there to get things done. And so it doesn't matter what happens or how it hurts us down the road. It's the immediate, oh, well, now is the time that we need to get, you know, oh, we got to make hay while the sun shines. Let's do it now. Do it now. And so they wouldn't commit to it because they knew that it would lock them in. Um, But unfortunately, we're getting to the point to where somebody's going to have to pay the piper. Either we're going to move forward as we've been doing right now and we're going to lose all of the permanent fund and then be taxed on top of it, or we're going to have to take our lumps now and try and cut back on, uh, you know, try and cut back on the spending. I just don't know how we do it. 
I don't know what the solution is based on the makeup of the folks that are in there right now. So give us uh, your thoughts at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Let's go over here to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Randy, what's on your mind? Well, I have kind of an off-the-wall question for you, and that is a question that I've been asking a few people in the past month here and there. And uh, the question is, have you ever heard of a person here in Alaska, that, that you know of anyway, that has paid into Social Security all of their working career, but then when they become of age to be able to get it, um, they just decide not to. They decline to do it. Um, I can imagine, for instance, a millionaire might might possibly do that. There could be some millionaires that just don't take it. I was just curious. Have you ever heard of a person like that? I personally have not. Um, if I was, I mean, if I hypothetically, I was a millionaire by the time I retired and was making a good income, uh, I would probably still draw the money because I paid into it. So, I mean, I would not be that person probably, but I've never heard of anybody who has done that. Randy, is that, I mean, have you, have you, are you looking for somebody? Is that what you're looking for? Uh, an example of, or are you not going to draw your social security uh, when you hit that age since you paid into it? Well, the, the reason I'm asking is because I'm thinking of taking it. I, I recently became 68 years old and I thought to myself, well, that sure could help me out. I could kind of reduce my working hours and uh, I'd have more time to do what I want to do. And, uh, but I just somehow, but then again, I hesitate just a little bit. You know, we have a $31 trillion national debt, but the fact is I did pay into it all my working career. And so I think it's moral to take it, but I just somehow feel like it's, I, I owe it to myself to hear somebody give some point of view to the contrary, why they think maybe, maybe they don't think that other people shouldn't take it and why they don't take it. I just love to hear that. If somebody would come up and, you know, it wouldn't necessarily change my mind or anything. I'm, still want to take it, but I'd like, I feel like I should hear that. Right. Somebody out there that just feels that way. Well, I, I think you've reached the crux of the argument though, Randy, and it's what I was saying before you replied, which was you paid into that. That is your right. money. I mean, you paid. Now there could be all kinds of arguments about how, well, it used to be 14 workers supporting one person now who's, you know, paying back into social security and that's changed. And now it's down to two or three workers or, but the bottom line is, they took that money from you with the indication and the intent of giving it back to you when you reached a certain age. It is your money. Yes, I would take it. I, I mm -hmm. think not only I don't only I only think it it's not not that it's just moral, but it's right. It's the right thing to do. Otherwise, you know, it, it kind of makes the whole system, uh, you know, worthless at that point. The government has already made it worthless by what they've done to it, but. I'm going to take my money back out of it because it's not my responsibility uh, personally to make sure that the government did a good thing with it. I'm going to do it, though. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do my thing. So I don't think you're going to find anybody out there who's going to be willing to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate those thoughts. And one thing I want to do, I haven't done it yet, but on the annual sheet that they've been sending me over the years, you know, every year they send you this sheet for your Social Security you know, how much you'd get if you took it this time. 
but they also show how much you put in over the years, kind of divided up by sections of years. And I'd like to calculate, you know, using the compound interest formula in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a reasonable interest rate, you know, how much, if I had put it into a private account, how much would the big pot of money be? I, I haven't right. done that yet, but I want to see what that looks like. Well, you'll have to report back to us as to how that goes uh, once you figure that out. Thank you, Randy, for your call. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Carlene in Kodiak. I'd like to apologize for being so angry. Um, and I appreciate the feedback because I can be so wrong about things. <laughs> and I appreciate it when other people speak up. And like the Green New Deal things, uh, Kathy and Soldatna, it, it made me stay home and listen to things on the radio when those topics came up so I could learn more about it right. because I'm ignorant on a lot of things. And um, I, I appreciate it when people give me feedback. All right, Carlene. Well, we appreciate I, I- We appreciate you calling in and sounding off with us and talking with us uh, uh, here on the show. Thank you, Carlene. Uh, I appreciate it. I got one more line on hold. We'll talk to you in a second. But, folks, we are out of time for today. We will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Be kind. Love one another. And live well. That's my exhortation to you. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, we got one more line on hold, so let's uh, let's go over there since they uh, were kind enough to hold on and see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, brother. This is Bubba up in North Pole. Hey, Bubba. What's it's on your mind? Uh, a thought. Wait till Randy, if he does draw Social Security, wait till he finds out you have to pay income tax on the, social, on the tax that they took out of your pay all your life, <laughs> and they give it back to you. You got to pay income tax on the tax. <laughs> Oh, man. How ironic is that? Yeah, no, dude, it is the irony of the tax on the tax on the tax. It's, you know, government takes. It's a net consumer. That's what the bottom line is. Thank you, Bubba. I appreciate appreciate you calling in this morning. (laughs) Uh, We will see you later. All right, folks, we're out of time for today. It's uh, It's good to be with you. Thank you for being part of it. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 